I got my good friend, the Hall of Famer on the line. And uh, this, this one is, it's weird doing this podcast. Uh, due to COVID and pushing back of the NBA schedule and not really having a true NBA offseason, we get to do our favorite podcast of the year. Yeah, we didn't forget about it. The Mike Connolly Award podcast is finally here. And Nick, again, it's weird doing this in December. It's our Christmas present to you. Yeah, it's weird doing this in December. We're recording this two days before the NBA season starts on December 20th. The NBA season starts on Tuesday when this podcast is going to be coming out. Five days away from Christmas, there is a foot of snow on the ground in upstate New York recording this. The, everything about this feels weird. The one thing that stays constant, NBA GMs are still stupid. We still get to do this podcast. So thank you to the general managers who continue to make It's good to know decisions. that even in a COVID year, some things never change. There's a little bit of normalcy everywhere you look. <laughs> I have five people on my list, one clear winner. I just have five nominees, honorable mentions, just to fill out a list. Nick, you have four? I have four, but two are kind of, it's like a 2A and 2B situation. Like, they go together. Okay. Um, I guess since I have five and I'm the odd man out, I'll start. At okay. number five, signing with the Utah Jazz for four years, $51 million, is Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, he got another deal. Don't know how. He's a good player. <laughs> he is a good player. He's a role player. He could probably be at your end, at the end of the bench on a championship team, but I don't think he's worth $51 million over the next four years. Uh, I don't know what Utah is doing. glad you went with Clarkson. You are? Do you have him on your list? I'm glad you went. Yes, I have him as my number three. Um, okay. I don't understand this at all. I, I, I understand it. The, the one way I understand this contract is from like the continuity perspective because they, they gave up a lot to get him from the Cavs last year. So you don't want to let him walk, but you still like this is a massive overpayment for Jordan Clarkson. It doesn't look that bad when you look at the average annual, which is which is about twelve million. That that I mean that seems about right. I would still give him about eight to ten. <clears throat> I think he's mm -hmm. a little bit more overpaid. Um, if this was a regular NBA offseason, I think this contract would be somewhere in the $85 million range, which would be, which would have him higher up on my list. But, uh, yeah, Jordan Clarkson coming in at number five. Uh, who's your fourth? My, um, well, I have him and then my, no, I'll go number two and number two A because they're both one of the same. Um, it is a uh, Jeremy Grant of the Detroit Pistons, three years and sixty million dollars, and then Mason Plumley of the Detroit Pistons, three years and twenty-five million dollars. I the, the, with Plumley, the money isn't quite as bad. With Jeremy Grant, it's um, it's just he's a good player. 
it's just a little too much money for me. But what really puts these two on the list for me is that I just don't understand what Detroit was thinking, giving two different centers massive contracts <laughs> while already having three other centers on the roster and just recently overpaying for Jaleel Okafor. Hey, man, so, they're still I mean, chasing after the, that the big NBA center. Is, they couldn't get it right with uh, Drummond. They're still chasing after that big center, but... Yeah, but I, I just, like I'm saying, I just don't get it. I mean, the NBA, the game in basketball now is trending towards three-point shooting and point guard play and uh, stretch fours and things like that. I mean, it's trending away from centers, and they're giving all these big guys big contracts and trying to build a team with massive size. It just doesn't really make sense to me, and that's why they're on the list. You, you want to know what – and I'll add something to that. Which doesn't make any sense. They they have Blake Griffin on the roster. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why they're allocating <laughs> that nearly seventy million to uh, or nearly eighty million to um, to a position where they have a borderline given past his prime, but borderline superstar power forward already mm-hmm. on the roster. And especially my, like three different centers. I mean, come right. On. My, uh, this is, it's the same. I'll, I'll just say uh, the, ne- the next two, it's the same amount of money. One, one guy's got four years. One guy's got three years. So I'll, I'll group them together. Uh, D'Anthony Melton. Can I and take Christian a guess? Wood. The... Oh, it was not who I was thinking. N- who are you thinking? I was thinking when you said four years, I was thinking Marcus Morris because I considered him. No, I considered him. I looked at him. He he's off the list. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't understand. First off, I've never heard of DeAnthony Melton ever in my life. Don't know if he's any. <laughs> I vaguely remember him as a college player from when he, he I watched like. I think he played at UCLA or USC or one of those Pac-12 schools. I vaguely remember him in like the round of 32. Well, uh, and that's it. <laughs> he sounds like someone that would go and play football for uh, Oregon, but Memphis yes. gave him four years, thirty-four million dollars. So congratulations to Memphis for continuing to be on this list because you're the reason why it started. <laughs> Here is DeAnthony Melton's uh, career stats. This is what he averaged. I'm going to give you his uh, rookie year in 2019 with the Phoenix Suns. Five points, three assists, and two rebounds. And then last year, seven points. This is what he averaged all season. Yes, that was his rookie season in 2019. This is his second season with Memphis last year. Seven okay. points, 7.6 points, 2.9 assists, and 3.7 rebounds. And he has a four-year, $34 million contract. Doesn't even average over that 10 points. Pitiful. Doesn't average over 10 that, points. That is horrendous. I'm, uh, I'm going to write him in as my number four because that's just so bad. He, who, who is this guy? To give you an idea of how, to give you an idea of how, 
bad of a contract this is for the Grizzlies, how much they overpaid for this guy. His stats were so low that I didn't even consider him for the list. <laughs> because I wasn't even thinking about, oh, they're just he's just going to play a couple of minutes on, off of the bench every now and then. And you're he, tying up $32 million for this clown. He averages 19 minutes per game, doesn't average over 10 points a game, and gets four years, $34 million. I mean, congratulations. Little business, to, buddy. Yeah, congratulations to, to DeAnthony the, the Melton for getting your money. I'm not, I'm not turning down you getting your money, but, I mean, come on, Memphis. Right. You couldn't – there's nobody better than this guy to give your money to? Really? Nobody? I don't get it. At least Christian Woods for Houston, three years, $34 million. At least he averages 13 points a game and is a decent three-point shooter mm-hmm. and plays over 20 minutes a game. Right. I actually know he's who a role Christian player. Wood is. He's a role <laughs> player. It's I wouldn't give him $34 million over the next three years, but he's at least someone who's going to make an uh, impact, potentially, for Houston and, and get some minutes in the debacle that's going down with the Rockets. But, I mean, yeah, it's Anthony Melton. He's up there. Um do you have one more, or is the next person your, your winner? The next person is my winner. All right, so I got one more. I got Malik Beasley with Minnesota, four years, $60 million. Uh, I actually like Malik Beasley. I don't understand why uh, Minnesota matched his offer sheet because he was a restricted free agent. I don't know who gave him the um, the original offer sheet, but Minnesota matched it. I believe it was Denver. Oh, yeah, it might have been Denver. Um, here's the thing with restricted free agents. I, I don't know if I'm a team and someone offers an offer sheet like this that it's ever worked out for the team that's retained the player. Because I immediately go to Tyler uh, Anderson. I think that's his name. With, um, with the Nets. The, Net, the Nets offered a couple of years ago Tyler Anderson, again, I think that's his name. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me just double check because they had him last year. I think back to Tyler Johnson because the Nets offered him like four years, $80 million when he was a restricted free agent with Miami, and they matched it. Can you name off the top of your head any restricted free agent that's actually worked out with the team that's tried to keep them after a team's offered them Something bizarre like four years, $60 million. I mean, I hope it works out for Minnesota, but just let the guy walk. I know you don't want to, but like, what's the alternative? You get a role player for an all-stars money? The one uh, I considered Malik Beasley as well. The reason I didn't put him on um, is despite all of the things that you were saying, and I I I mostly agree about like the restricted free agents. I think these. I think the good thing, the silver lining with Malik Beasley is that he's still very young. Like uh, there's still a lot of prime years that he has to to figure it out and and keep the keep the pace up, so to speak. It's definitely an overpayment, but I don't think it's quite as egregious as some of the other ones that we have. 
And then also the other thing with Minnesota is that they've got, he's just another one of many young, talented players they've got. I mean, they've got Anthony Edwards now in the draft, obviously Carl Anthony Towns, obviously D'Lo is there. So, you know, Malik Beasley being a nice role player for them, they could, they could uh, make some noise. It's a lot of money. Bottom end of that conference, for a role player. It is, it is a lot of money for a role player, but they, they're they're paying so little of money for a lot of these other guys that they can kind of afford it. You know what I mean? That's why it's not quite as egregious to me as some of these other ones. Let me look at Minnesota's um, roster breakdown when it comes to money. Okay. Because I I believe he is now the third highest paid player on their roster. The only people that stick out to me that are probably making more than him are uh, D'Angelo Russell and Ricky Rubio. And Cat. Other than that. Yeah. Yeah, he's the fourth highest paid player on the uh, – on the. Carl Anthony Towns is making more. D'Angelo Russell is making more. And Ricky Rubio is making more. He's your third highest paid player on the list uh, – on your roster. He's got to be an all-star. You're paying him to be an all-star. If mm-hmm. he's not an all-star and he's just a role player, again, he's a good player. But is he worth all-star money? He hasn't proven that to me yet. And right. hopefully, he, hopefully at over some point of these four years, half of them are all-star years. Because if they're not, this is a bust. And this is a wasted right. contract. And it, it validates being on this list. And I just... I, I hope all these guys on this list actually don't live up to the to the billing. The the one guy that I think that we that we put on the list um, that has actually lived up to the billing, actually two two people back to back years is Drew Holiday and then Devin Booker. Yeah, I agree. So uh, I don't think that's happening this year. I think we're, we're let's get to the to the big uh, the big tuna. Yep. Uh, the, the catch of the year, the MC, the Mike Connolly Award winner for the 2020 offseason, because we're going to talk about this at great length. The fact that this guy got paid again. Um, I believe our, I should say, I believe our first unanimous winner since the original Mike Connolly. Yes. I think since, uh, since the ushering of this annual podcast, I think this is the first unanimous. We, we, both agreed before taping uh, that this guy should should be the winner. And we've uh, gone we've gone we've gone at it while taping before about yes. who's gonna. We always come out with an eventual we both agree winner, but this is the first time that that's the first time since Conley that I can remember that we both looked at each other weeks in advance and said, <laughs> All right, "Here here it is. So, Nothing's gonna top this." Um, just to, without just, further stalling. Let's just actually really quickly, let's run over the, the, um, the years past winners. So it, it all started with, uh, with our Lord and savior, Mike Conley mm-hmm. shouts out to you for the $151 million contract that you signed, mm-hmm. uh, for creating this mess. Second year was drew holiday. Third year, which was, uh, last year was Devin Booker. And it came mm-hmm. in at the, I forget who we had, but it was at the very 
end of the podcast, like we were wrapping up and the news of the Devin Booker extension happens. So we had Devin yep. Booker. A little bit of a correction. Last year's winner, this is actually the fifth year, last year's winner was Harrison Barnes. So the four winners are Mike Conley, Drew Holiday, Devin Booker, and Harrison Barnes. And now back to the regularly scheduled programming. And then this year, without further ado, Gordon Hayward, please stand up. Because you are, (laughs) without a doubt... The Mike Conley Award winner for the 2020 offseason. Four years, $120 million. Let's party like it's 2016 in Charlotte. What can you even they fathom this contract? That, did did Michael Jordan just forget that four years have passed since Gordon Hayward was last a free agent? Or like, good? Did he just or, not, or, or did he just? Yeah, he hasn't been good did he just in not four remember years. That the Celtics era happened. I mean, granted, like, he did what? shatter his leg, but since that injury, he's not been an All Star. He ha- he's been a role player. He disappeared. He wasn't played in last year's playoffs in the bubble. He was moved <laughs> on from the fact that this guy got paid yeah. again. I, Congratulations, Gordon Hayward. You've just received two contracts in the matter of four years that is going to change the generational wealth of your family. Big ups to you. But from a I tell you, he's pure... got some agent for a yeah, lot of this to happen. I want him, whoever his agent is, I'm going to give him a call after this podcast because whatever kind of voodoo magic that you work in a, in a pitch meeting, I mean, <laughs> How, how is Michael Jordan secretly starting a video game? Here's to me is what. Because I know Gordon Hayward's on Twitch. (laughs) Like what's going on? Go ahead. Here is to me what sticks out the most about this contract and why it's even worse than it looks with the money on the surface is um, they traded multiple draft the, the the Celtics signed this guy and then tra- it was a sign and trade yeah and the hornets gave up multiple picks to receive him they gave up a 2023 and a 2024 second round pick that's not insignificant for a guy who's 30 something years old and hasn't been the same player for the last 5 years i mean granted and, uh, those picks, if they were first round picks, that'd be it'd be egregious, and we might have to change the name to the Gordon Hayward Award. <laughs> but two second round picks, three and four years from now, is not that much draft capital. It it is going to be a stamp on because if. If those players turn out to be anything, even if they're just rotational mm-hmm. guys, mm-hmm. that's going to look bad from Charlotte because at the end of this year, at the end of the contract, you could have two role players playing for the Celtics that, I mean, 
the current construction of, of, of Charlotte is not going to be the same that it is in uh, four years from now. Right. Part of the reason and let's is not forget be- this is also the let's not forget also this is the uh, I was just looking at this now this is the biggest uh, traded player exception in the history of the NBA. Oh, really? The Celtics created a the Celtics got the exception value of twenty eight point five million when they traded him. So it's a good it's a really good deal for the Celtics. You know they oh, made out like bandits. They get two picks. They get rid of a massive albatross and they get $28 million in cap space. But for Charlotte, I mean, I understand part of it. I understand part of it. And it's the Gordon Hayward is like a, he's like Ryan Fitzpatrick in this sense. I think Mm -hmm. he's going to give some wisdom to a very young roster. That's true. I don't know if that wisdom is worth 120 million. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think he's going to be giving 120 million worth of uh, advice to LaMelo Ball and uh, to that whole young core. I also don't think LaMelo Ball is long for Memphis or for Charlotte. I don't. I think he's going to get traded by the end of the Gordon Hayward contract. I mean, especially after this. I mean, I don't think LaVar is going to want him playing there. But we'll, I mean, we'll see. We've got some good young players on this team. LaMelo is good. Uh, Malik Monk is there. Terry Rozier is there. PJ Washington. That's another one that was on the list a couple of years ago was Terry Rozier. I think he's a solid player, but uh, he's not worth his contract. Look at his contract. He's not worth it. It's like 85 million bucks. I was about to say, I don't know what it is with Michael Jordan and, and, Signing big contracts for Boston Celtic has been, but Gordon, that that might be the the title of this podcast. Gordon, Boston Celtic has been because Gordon Hayward has not been good since he signed the contract. When Boston mm-hmm. signed the contract, everyone thought it was a steal. Everyone thought it was a shift of power. This guy is going to be a really good player in Boston. He's playing for his college coach. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Then a horrible injury happens. He's not the same player. He shouldn't be rewarded like he was four years ago. This isn't a do-over contract. He doesn't have have an Iron Man bionic leg attached to him. Yeah, I mean, the last last four years aren't just erased from existence because you gave him this money. He... I talked about Malik Beasley be, having to be an all-star. Gordon Hayward is going to have to be an all-star. Borderline all-NBA player to get this, get in this much money. I agree. I mean, there's really nothing else you can say. I mean, I just don't really. Does Gordon Hayward finish his it. career out in Charlotte? Is this his last contract? I mean, I... I want to say yes, but then, like, I thought that he was going to finish his career in Boston. I didn't think anybody was – so maybe maybe, uh, maybe the Pistons side him down the road. Are we, they continue. Uh, maybe, the, maybe the worst-run franchise in basketball, the Memphis Grizzlies, give him a big contract <laughs> after this. Do we – let's just make a, a wild shot-in-the-dark prediction to end this podcast. 
In four years, do you think Gordon Hayward will be will get another? Do you think he'll get anything bigger than seventy million in four years? At uh, thirty six years old, he would be. I'm gonna go out on a. I'm gonna make a bold call here and say yes. I think somebody out there is going to, there's so many bad teams and there's so many bad GMs in this league. Somebody out there is going to overpay for this guy in four years. For, for the sake of this podcast and continuing the legacy of the MCA award, I hope in four years we are still doing this. I hope so too. I, I don't see any and I reason hope, why we wouldn't. I hope Gordon Hayward is still on this list is on this list in four years. Also, just before we end, I just looked up Terry Rogier's contract. Mm-hmm. Terry Rogier is the second highest paid player on the or I'm sorry, Gordon Hayward would be, would be 34 in four years. He's currently okay. 30 years old. Uh, so yeah, he could potentially get another huge contract. Terry Rogier is it was a sign and trade with Boston. He's making $18.9 million a year. That's right. It was like, it was pretty short. I remember it was like two, two or three years only. Gordon Hayward is almost making $10 million more than Terry Rozier. Yeah, that's, that's unacceptable. Terry Rozier's current contract is three years, $56 million. He's got, after this year, one more year left on the deal. And then he's 28, so he, 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 he's going to enter the prime of his career. So, you know, MCA Award 2022 might go to Terry Rozier. Who knows? Maybe. I Who mean, knows? You know, he was on the list. Memphis was, is good. Memphis might need a – Memphis might need a point guard. Might need a backup point Sacramento guard. Sacramento might need a point guard. Uh, yeah. Again – Congratulations to everyone. The inevitable on this list. expansion team. Vegas. The inevitable Seattle. expansion teams might need one. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, do you think um do you think the NBA is going to expand and uh, let me rephrase that. Which league is going to expand first, the NBA or Major League Baseball, do you think? Uh the NBA. And where do you think they'll go? Because we know they'll go to Seattle, but where's the other team going? Uh, I think it's Vegas. They already have the arena there. They have they, – you've seen it now. I mean, you, you haven't really seen it with, uh, with the Raiders, but you've seen it with, with hockey mm-hmm. and how – and if they can draw for hockey, they're going to be able to draw for the NBA. And um, the reason right. why it's not baseball is – Dave Dombrowski, the new Phillies GM and former Red Sox GM, was part of an owner was part of a group that was Shout trying. Dave <laughs> was part of a group to try to get baseball in Nashville after uh, for twenty twenty one. That's right. After twenty twenty one, with the new collective bargaining agreement, they were trying to get uh, baseball in Nashville for the twenty twenty two season. That is no longer a possibility that's why Dombrowski took the Phillies job so um Mm -hmm. with that expansion team falling apart that's the reason why I think the NBA also the NBA has more money 
They have more money to expand. That's they have that's true. With the expanded playoffs, um, or or the ability to have expanded playoffs and a play-in potentially for like a for the uh, for the seedings. Plus, I mean, the the whole Seattle is owed a team. Vegas, it'll work. It's just it makes there's it, less downside from a business. I don't think I don't think there's any downside. I I, I really don't because you get a right. per, you get in one city you get a city who's been starving for a basketball team after it was viciously ripped from their hands, and it's a legacy city in the NBA. And then you get a city where, mm-hmm. I mean, the the NBA is are is is so heavily invested in in gambling already. You put the mecca of gambling in your league. You have an arena there already, so you don't have to worry about building an arena. It's right. You just gotta find all, all the you, infrastructure is right. there. You got the only thing that could potentially be uh, a downside is if if you have two absolutely insane owners, which I don't think with the NBA's vetting process, it's possible that you could get like another Russian oligarch, like the old Nets owner. But Mm -hmm. with the NBA's vetting process and with how player friendly you have to be, I don't think that's a possibility. I think baseball, it's a bigger possibility to get a ridiculous, batshit crazy owner. That's a good way to, that's I, a good uh, way to I, end. Although I must say. Go ahead. Yeah, I must say, though, have, you know, you know, I love Nashville. Been there. You do. Thoroughly loved it. You know, I, I, baseball in Nashville would be, would be amazing. I think... And this is, I don't think it's going to happen, but I would put it just to, to end the, this segment of the pod and the pod in general. Um, I'm glad you actually brought that up because this is a great way to end the first pod back. Um, mm-hmm. I think if it was baseball, I think putting a team in Omaha and, and Nashville would be the best case scenario. Um, I don't Omaha think that's going to happen. Interesting choices. I think I think it's going to be Nashville, and again, maybe Vegas, maybe. I don't Austin. know about Vegas with baseball. I think if it's ba- I think baseball expansion, it would be uh, Montreal and then somewhere in the south. I think if you if you Nashville and Austin, that that would work. Montreal, I think Tampa is just naturally going to move move there. They might. Because they are determined to play half their home games in Montreal by 2028. Which so, is not a smart idea, but whatever. If you're going to play half your home games there by, just, by, just by 2028, there. Just, just up and move. Assuming that that – I mean, even though I think it probably will, well, assuming it doesn't happen, I think the expansion in baseball is, um, is Montreal in the south. Because I don't know where in the south, but it's just – the fact that the Braves are really the only team in a seven-state region, and that seven-state region loves baseball, it's a very underserved market. So I don't know if it'll be 
a Nashville team, a Memphis team, a Charlotte, North Carolina team, a Richmond, Virginia team. I don't know where that second Southern team will be, but it'll be somewhere down there. Uh, Nick, this is an old school episode. It's a little bit longer than uh, um, it's a little longer than than usual. I'm going to keep it that way. I'll explain more about the podcast scheduling after you give movie review shouts out to what you're working on your podcast, the whole, the whole nine yards. All right. Um, my name is Nick parodies. You can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, on all of the social medias is on, um, at, uh, at Nick parodies, my name, I am the co-host of the podcast programming alongside my good friend, Matt Dixon, where we talk just general topics um, we've got the Christmas Eve special coming up this week. It'll be out uh, probably this weekend over your holiday break. So that'll be fun. Um, the most recent episode looks at Steve Cohen and looks at my wrap up of my favorite albums of this past year in the music world. Um, and I'm working on a couple of projects for YouTube that'll be coming up soon. I can't get into too much detail about them but I'm, I'm doing the youtube thing again i'm going to be the hard truth coming back content this time the hard truth might yet come back we're still oh. thinking about that but i'm definitely going to be doing some film related content and i've got two projects i can't tell i can't delve into too much detail but they'll be up early next year sometime maybe january or february one is an adam sandler related project and one is a michael bay related project not, so be on the you're getting in, for that. You're getting into the TNT business, I see. I, I'm getting into the TNT business. Explosive. And uh, while we're on the subject of while we're on the subject of films, of course, I can't leave here without giving out my uh, my movie review. And uh, I've been watching a lot of comedies lately, and uh, we watched. Rewatched the forty-year-old virgin the other night. <laughs> is 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 that not one of the, in terms of improv movies? Because a lot of that movie, even though it has script credits to Steve Carell and Judd Apatow, a lot of that movie is just Steve Carell, Paul Rudd, Seth Rogen playing off of each other. Is there a better improv movie that's ever been made? Um, that's the question I want to leave you. Is there a better movie where they just let the actors? the characters and play off of each other is there a better example out there because i was shocked like going back through and, and watching it and then reading up after and, and watching things after and learning like how much of it was made up on the fly basically i think the first anchor man is uh you can give that a run for its money because i know a bunch of uh mm. a bunch of those lines in that movie were improvised so, yeah, I think the first Anchorman, it, it's an argument, but I don't know if it'll win. Yeah. But that, that's a yeah. good one. That is a really, really good one. I'm actually really quickly, just to, this is the mm. last thing we're going to do on this podcast on the fly, just because we're, okay. we're big Michael K. Show fans. Let's have a okay. daily Don top five list of your top five favorite Christmas movies before we, uh, before we go. 
on the fly. Top five favorite Christmas movies on the fly. Um, top five favorite Christmas movies. Um, well, does Die Hard count? I count Die Hard as a Christmas movie, yes. Okay, Die Hard is definitely on there then. Okay. Um, I'm a, I'm a big... Uh, I'm a big Christmas vacation guy. So am I. Uh, you gotta have you gotta have that in there. Um, does Charlie Brown Christmas count, or is it yes, too short? That counts. Charlie Brown Christmas number three. Um, I know you don't like this movie, but I at least I haven't seen it in years. But I, as a as a kid, as a teenager, I was a big fan of Bad Santa, so I'm going to include that. Yeah, not a big fan. Not a big fan. And uh, I think my five would be, I'll say Polar Express because I liked that a lot when I was a kid. Okay. I, my honorable mention is Polar Express. That's my uh, that's my sixth, but um, or five A, but my five my fifth mm-hmm. is the original Grinch, <clears throat> not the Jim Carrey okay. vehicle. I do appreciate that, but that is off my list. Uh, it is a good movie, but uh, from childhood nightmares, I, I leave that off my list. Number four is Rudolph, <laughs> the claymation Rudolph. Okay, that's a classic. Three is Home Alone 2. I just enough said. Two is Elf. Oh, how can I forget Home Alone? <laughs> Number six, Home Alone. Two is Elf. No particular order. I know a lot of people uh, are going to get angry at me for, for putting Elf at two. But my number one, my all-time favorite Christmas movie <laughs> is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That is... Easily, oh, it's so, and you can't change my so mind. Good. You can't change my mind. You can say Bad Santa. You could say um, Elf. You could say A Christmas Story, Home Alone, The Jim Carrey Grinch. You can't change my mind. National Lampoon's is by far and away my favorite Christmas movie, and that's actually going to be. My uh, movie recommendation: Watch National Lampoon. Christmas Vacation. Yeah, watch Watch National Lampoon. Remember, 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 Joe. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn into the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am now. Uh, Eddie. (laughs) Eddie. (laughs) You wouldn't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant. Merry Christmas. Uh, happy holidays. I need to watch Christmas Vacation now. Merry, happy holidays. Merry <laughs> Christmas. Kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss your own ass. Happy Hanukkah. Is your uh, house on fire, Clark? <laughs> <laughs> that just uh, too many good, too many good one-liners. The best of which is the one that you led with. Mm-hmm. But. Um, on this one, side, one of the ones that I use in my everyday life. You can't talk to me that way. <laughs> oh, on, yeah, on this side of the coin, not the fake J. Leo. This has been a very dysfunctional, old school, play-by-play style podcast. But uh, on this side of the coin, 
not the fake J Leo on Twitter. Regularly scheduled programming programming will be coming after the new year. I'm going to be dropping an episode on uh, New Year's Day to get the ball rolling with uh, with 2021 podcast schedule. We'll go back to Tuesday and Thursday, and it's going to be a bit of a change. I won't say what's what, but there's going to be it's going to be a little bit more professional in the production. Um, and that's, I, that's been in the planning since I started grad school and I'm just taking what I learned in grad school and applying it to this podcast. So it's going to be, it's going to be professional and, uh, it's going to be where I want it to be since, uh, since I wanted to start this podcast. So, uh, if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas, if you celebrate Kwanzaa, happy Kwanzaa, um, to all of my Jewish friends out there, uh, happy late Hanukkah. Hope you enjoyed and celebrated that to the fullest. And uh, happy new year to, to everyone. I'll see you on the other side of 2021. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did so, please share it with anybody who you seem fit. If you're on iTunes, please give us a review. And uh, till next time, I haven't said this in a long time. It feels good. It's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Peace.